1: Welcome back to Mackie and Judd. Shortly, we will send it over to the University of Minnesota for a joint press conference. Athletic Director Mark Coyle and Head Basketball Coach Richard Pitino expected to address the story that came out this morning. Reggie Lynch, star defensive-minded center, uh, faces a suspension and a complete ban from the U of M campus until at least 2020 after a school investigation found him responsible in a sexual misconduct incident. It's the second publicized alleged incident involving Reggie Lynch. You go back to last year, he was arrested on suspicion of sexually assaulting a 19-year-old. That incident also took place in the spring of 2016, just like this particular incident. And KSTP is reporting, Eric Shalhoub reported this on 5 Eyewitness News, that he will appeal, Reggie Lynch will appeal yes. the suspension. Yes. Yes. Uh, the questions remain: what you know, he'll tell his side of the story. Mm-hmm. One, and then number two, while this plays out, the appeals process, which I don't know, could take weeks. And so, so we don't know will he play.
2: And so, so this incident actually uh, took place before the the one that he was arrested for. Correct. That yes. one took place in what June of two thousand sixteen? or June. And yeah, this, one this was April. A- April. Okay. So. Yeah, and I think the the key question is: Will you just, if you are the school, suspend him athletically until the whole thing plays out? So,
1: so from a you know, from a, their question, from a basketball standpoint, they only have five truly viable players because Isaiah Washington hasn't really proven himself yet. Mr. Basketball in New York, he's got a ton of potential. That's it. If if Reggie Lynch and who and, takes
2: Lynch a spot? I mean, Bakari Kanate cannot. You cannot no. ask him to play well, substantial minutes. Oh, well, he has to. Like they don't. Have, you're not going not to have like to re. Like you can't no, make a trade. It's No, no, but you're so. going to have to rethink how who you start, aren't you? I mean, can you actually start Bakari Kanate? Don't you move Murphy to center? Don't you? Try These are and, rhetorical questions that lead to the Gophers not playing very well the rest of the season. I would agree with that. I'm just saying that this is that this is not if if he is done playing uh, for them, you go from a team that looked to be at least the starters very solid to a team that's very suspect.
1: Yeah, I think what I want to know from Mark Coyle here is. So this incident took place in the spring of 2016. Both of the Reggie Lynch alleged incidents took place in the spring of 2016. The athletic department and the basketball team have done a lot of work to clean up behavior and to educate players. Is this just an incident coming back to bite them? Or are there more patterns behind the scenes of similar behavior that just haven't come out publicly yet? Have they cleaned things up, and this is just something from Two years ago, almost, that's coming back around. Yeah. Or is it still stained with embarrassment and bad behavior? All these stories that keep popping up year after year. Athletic director, sexual harassment, basketball players getting suspended, expelled. That's what I want to know. I want to know. Is is this, have you cleaned it up? Let's go to Mark Coyle right now at the University of Minnesota. Athletic director, uh, not yet. Okay. I think it's He's about to pop up to the podium.
2: It's a valid question that he will evade at, at, at most costs. I think he'll say that we've tried to clean things up. But it, it is remarkable in this program how things seem to always come back. I mean, every time you think to yourself, things are going pretty well for football and basketball. Every time you think that, something else comes yeah. up. All
1: right, let's go to uh, the University of Minnesota. This is KSTP's coverage of Athletic Director Mark Coyle. We have no opening statement.
0: Can you walk us through the timeline when you all, when the school knew about the April incident in 2016 and the evaluation process from there, knowing that a month later you've been arrested uh, for sexual assault accusations, as well? Can you walk us through that timeline and the evaluation process?
3: Yeah, you know, what I can say is, and, and I know it's frustrating, that, you know, because of student privacy laws, both federal and state, we're restricted on what we can say and what we can't say. Uh, You know, and and as we've talked about before, this institution has policies and procedures in place. You know, and 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 they're governed by both federal and state laws, and we follow those policies and procedures, and we're very consistent how we do things. So again, I can't talk about specific cases to your question. Why you allowed him to play, knowing that he had been accused of
0: sexual assault twice in the span of a month?
3: Again, what I what I can talk about, I, I can't talk about specific situations, but I can talk about a process. And we have 750 student athletes. And it's important that we provide due process to all of our student athletes, to all students on this campus. And so again, we follow that process. And you know, I encourage you, that process is public. You can go to our website. Jake can direct you to our website on campus where you can read about that process that's available to all of our students on this Twin Cities campus.
4: Football players, I'm sorry. No, go Chicago. Mike, no. the football players were suspended when there was an uh, EOA investigation this year?
3: With, with a uh, chip again with 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 our process that's in place. Uh, any student athlete, um, if there's a criminal investigation taking place, uh, that student athlete does not participate. Again, any student athlete involved in an EOA process can participate until findings are made against him or her.
5: Mark, Mark is, uh, is Reggie still on the team?
3: Yes, he's, Reggie is a member of our basketball team.
6: I understand that you're limited in, in the details that you can give us, so I'm not asking for too many specifics here, but can you tell us when you first learned of these allegations as well as when the EOAA report was completed?
3: Again, due to student privacy, I, I can't get in specifics. Uh, what I can tell you is with any of our student-athletes, you know, in any of our 25 programs, uh, if if something is brought across campus, it's brought to my attention, but I cannot get into specifics of the specific case.
0: What's his status? You said he's still on the team. Is he going to be playing tomorrow? Um, his lawyer this morning said he's planning to appeal.
3: Play tomorrow? Uh, Reggie Lynch will not be playing tomorrow. He is suspended from, from athletic competition. But he, said he's still on the team. he is a member of our basketball program.
0: I spoke with one woman this morning who says that she went to athletic officials, sat down with them in the early part of 2017, and she brought up multiple accusations against Lynch, and she said that those were brushed aside. They were called personal problems by your office. Were you aware of these allegations
3: against I have many meetings with, with people, so I, I don't know who you're referring to, so I, I can't answer that question. Sure. Mark, has the U forwarded this to the police? again specific allocations uh, uh incidents i can't get into specifics uh, so i'm not aware of that no is he
6: suspended uh, while this whole process plays out is it indefinite or what
3: yeah he is suspended from athletic competition why, why again I, I can't talk about specific situations but he's suspended from from athletic competition
0: indefinitely
3: he's suspended from athletic competition
0: pending resolution of this or
3: Again, I can't talk about specifics, and I apologize. I mean, I can't tell you how frustrating it is for all of you to hear me to say this. But but what I can tell you, any student on this campus, don't talk about student-athlete because they're students first. The 750 kids that represent this institution are students first. They all have access to the same policies and procedures that we have in place. And part of those policies and procedures are they can appeal. Uh, Reggie from team activities and from
0: Saturday's game. When was that a decided?
3: Uh, that was the decision that I made today. Did you meet with
0: Coach Patino and Reggie about
3: the decision? Uh, I, again, I, I involved Coach Patino and the student athlete involved, yes.
0: With the suspension, is he
1: allowed
3: to be involved in any team activities or is it completely out while this plays out? No, he's just suspended from athletic competition. But in practice. Yes, sir
0: have a meeting with the activist and alum Abby Honnell because she tweeted that she sat them down in your office last year, brought it to their attention even further. Is is that something that you recall in in that meeting and knowing more information?
3: I did have an opportunity to meet with Abney. Uh, I don't remember the exact time. Uh, She was very interested in our training for our student athletes. Uh, And as you know, I've talked about this at board meetings. You know, our student athletes on average have four hours of training on sexual misconduct, academic integrity, gambling, et cetera. Uh, in addition, this past year, you know, we had a chance to meet with our student athlete advisory council. Uh, this was last spring, and the feedback we got from our advisory council was that they would really appreciate the opportunity to have one-on-one meetings as teams with our EOA office and with our office of community standards. So in addition to having those four hours of training, each one of our teams, including student athletes, had a chance to meet with EOA to learn more about that process. Each one of our teams had a chance to meet with OCS, Office of Community Standards, to talk about those processes. And we also uh, worked with a group called the Dan Beebe Group, which is an organization that focuses on human relations risk management. And they provided training not only to our student athletes and coaches, but to our staff. So this year, we'll have about seven hours of training for all 750 student athletes.
4: Yeah.
0: Um, so- I think for campus it's a difficult situation because a lot of people are feeling like here we go again. Is there anything that the athletic department learned from uh, a year ago with the football team or anything you can take away from that situation of how the school wants to handle this any differently or the same or what can you tell um, maybe students and people on campus who are feeling like why does this keep happening in the athletics department?
3: Well I think we've been very consistent in our process in in how we handle these things And, and as I just mentioned before You know, we talked to our student-athlete leaders, our our SAC group. Uh, We got feedback directly from them. You know, we've had a chance, and and I'm thankful for EOA. I'm thankful for the Office of Community Standards, who took time to meet with all of our teams. I'm thankful for the Dan Beebe group, who took time to not only train our teams, train our head coaches, but to train all of our staff. We're a large organization. I mean, if you take a step back, 25 sports, 750 student-athletes, Almost 300 full time staff. It's a big organization. We understand we're very visible, but we feel like we've been very proactive in educating and training all of us to make sure we handle it the right way.
4: Go back to uh, the question about your meeting with Abby. She said she didn't just ask uh, about the training tactics, but specifically raised concerns about Reggie. Uh, do you remember that?
3: Uh, Again, we had a very productive meeting with Abby. It was great to hear from her and learn from her and her perspective. Uh, And, again, we talked about the steps we were doing, the steps we were trying to do to make our program better as we move forward.
0: Mark, are you able to
4: talk about what the appeal process looks like?
3: Uh, For any student athlete, again, I I encourage you to go to our university website. That's the amazing thing. It's out there. People can read about it. But, again, any student on the Twin Cities campus, take out any student on this campus can, when they go through this process, they have an opportunity to file an appeal, and he and she has an opportunity, that due process right, to go through that appeal process.
0: Mike,
1: before you go, I'm happy to talk with anybody after this is over, direct
0: them to find
5: those processes and stuff online. Mike it. Mark, it's just, this is not a criminal, two questions, this is not a criminal investigation that, that he's under, number one and number two. What latitude do coaches and you have to suspend players just because you say, I don't like your behavior. It's you know it's in contrast to do they do they have a voice? You know can can you can you uh, subjectively suspend anybody you want? Uh,
3: you have an opportunity, obviously, Mike. With, with any time you're with the coach and it's a student athlete discipline matter. You know you and the coach spend time with each other to address those matters on a case by case basis. Uh, with respect to any criminal activity, you know I would encourage you uh, you know to talk to to, to Chief Clark on campus.
0: Uh, this isn't <clears throat> just any player. This is a player. There's been a lot of talk about him on Twitter. Um, and you do have the authority to, to bench someone pending these, the investigation. You and Coach Patino were brought in to sort of clean this stuff up. I mean, you, should you keep your job?
3: We have worked incredibly hard to provide a first-class experience for any student-athlete that comes to our program. And since I got here in June of 2016, we've talked very hard about we want to make sure that we are defined by our actions, by having great humility, and by representing this institution in a first class manner. And I feel like each time we are faced with a situation involving any student athlete, any staff member, we want to handle them appropriately and swiftly. And we feel like we've been very consistent in that process.
0: um, I know you talk a lot about process. General Palmer doesn't care about that. They see an individual who was the top shot blocker in America, defensive player of the year, who was accused of sexual assault twice in the span of a month, played the 2016-17 season, and then he's played the ball this season. Given that, why should people trust you and this administration going forward, and why should they trust Richard Pitino as the head of this basketball program since that's how it looks from the outside?
3: People should trust the procedures that we have in place. You know, and, and I talked about at the beginning of the press conference. We have procedures that have been reviewed by outside agencies. We have procedures that people have focused on and worked on and have followed. And those procedures include providing due process for everybody involved. And it's my job as the athletic director, it's Coach Bettino's job as the head coach, to make sure we support everybody involved. And we do that in every case we deal with.
6: How did you make the decision to suspend Lynch from athletic competition but not from practice?
3: Every time you have a student athlete situation, you always want to look at it from a holistic perspective and the totality. And we felt that when we suspend a student athlete, uh, we suspend it from athletic competition. Uh, We want to make sure that student-athlete has access to athletic medicine and treatment, to academic services, uh, opportunity to continue to to compete and be around his team from that standpoint. So we felt it was important to to go that direction. Mark, a lot of questions were raised about the EOAA during the football process. Some were suspended and then eventually cleared. Uh, In this case, did they interview
0: Reggie and the victim and others, or is it just those two and... If you can't answer it specifically, just in general, how thorough are those investigations?
3: Again, you'd have to talk to you about how, how they handle investigations. You know, athletics, as you know, again, they're students first. There's a student discipline process that any student on this campus goes through. And then as the athletic director, we have an athletic process that we have to work through. And when information is made available to me as the athletic director, then we have to make decisions. So in any situation where EOA is involved... Uh, they handle the investigation, not athletics. They handle the investigation. they provide information to us and then we have to react and make decisions on our part with respect to our athletic policy. Have you report on again, I can't get into specifics.
0: I got
4: time for two more guys here. Doubt right. Mark, uh, so there's like two and a half three months
5: left in this season. Is there anything that could happen that where his suspension could be lifted, he, he could play again?
3: Well, again, you you always, if information becomes available on any student athlete.
2: I've been reading a lot of the
0: chatter on social media, and it sounds like a lot of people on campus are not surprised that these allegations are coming out, that he was known to have conducted himself like this. When does it, when does that investigation, does the student have to come forward and make those claims and start an official investigation? Or how does that process work when it's
3: officially investigated? yeah again i would encourage you to visit with eoa and, and how that's handled can, can
2: you though mark
3: can, can you
5: if, if twitter's blowing up and somebody says hey mark did you see this on twitter can you go forward and begin to investigate yourself or not
3: well again my job as the athletic director again is to manage our department and our program and if information becomes available on any student-athlete. We obviously work with our campus to make sure if anything comes up. They handle the investigation. Uh, I don't mean to repeat myself, and I know you're tired of me saying this, they are students first. We have a student policy that they have to work their way through, and then it triggers athletic policy.
0: You uh, were brought in to replace Do you still
1: All right. I think Richard Patino is gonna speak here, but just to reset, Athletic Director Mark Coyle very awkwardly evading questions and hanging his hat on the can't get into specifics because of student privacy laws and now Richard Patino is going to speak so let's go to that real quick here too. Uh,
4: as you guys know there's a lot we can't specifically talk about um, you know we've got to as a coach I've got to do my very best certainly to get my team ready uh, for a big big game tomorrow um, and so certainly uh, we got to do that so happy to answer any questions
0: them in September of 2016 after you've been arrested and cleared. Were you aware of the April 2016 allegation against it?
4: I can't speak specifically about anything so any of these guys with those things. Why
0: should anyone have in your ability
4: to run the Well, I mean it's up for everybody um, you know to to decide. I mean, I believe in what we're doing um, on and off the court. Um, we do our very, very best to educate, as, as well as what Mark has talked about uh, with certain things that we do um, to educate, and we'll continue to do that. You
0: spoken to Reggie? Has, has he said anything about these
4: accusations? We have spoken, certainly. Um, you know, the specifics of it I, I'm not going to get into, but we have spoken about it. How would you handle him at practice, you know, being suspended and having these allegations against him? Um, and just having you know play. it's 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 a unique situation certainly um my biggest focus is got to get the guys ready uh tomorrow who are going to play and and so that's what i have to do moving forward this afternoon do you think there's any sentiment on the team of, of his teammates
0: not wanting him around oh i don't know that as far as the you know the distraction of it i mean we've had instances before a couple years ago when players were suspended um you know, it obviously caused a lot of distraction, um, not only off the court but on the court. Um, do you sense that this might disrupt the team in that way? Well,
4: I think every circumstance is different, uh, certainly. Um, you know, so I would hope that this group, um, you know, from a basketball standpoint tomorrow, um, I think these guys are, are a tight-knit group, and I think they're playing well. So I know they've got a lot to play for. Um, you know, so every circumstance is certainly different. Uh, but I expect these guys to go out and compete extremely hard tomorrow.
6: When were, you, when were you made aware of this allegation that led to today's suspension?
4: You know, I'm not going to get into specifics of all that stuff. What's your
3: disappointment you
4: You know, you try really, really hard um, to educate as best you can. Uh, and I think Mark has done a terrific job as well uh, with some of the things that he mentioned earlier uh, that he does to educate. And so – We're going to do that. We're going to continue to do that. I think that's great for our players. It's great for our staff. Um, And we'll continue to do that.
0: Richard, you have the power, I mean, regardless of the process that the school goes through, to suspend a player, to sideline a player. Did you ever give any thought to that throughout the last year and a half, to suspend him with this other matter? You
4: know, when, when certain things like this happen, you know, big things, you, you go to your boss and certainly you discuss and, and you, you go with what the policies are in place uh, more than anything, and we did that. What is it you feel you've brought to this program in the time that you've been here to try to curb situations like this? Well, we you know, we've put together, obviously it's been written about and talked about, we've put together over the last, I don't know, two years, um, to go along with what we hope to educate uh every day obviously as a coach um, you know but we bring in speakers every fall and summer to continue to educate them we myself educates as much as we possibly can uh, to go along with what the athletic department does as well
3: is there any,
5: there are any possibility been- in your mind that reggie could play again this season
4: i have no idea to predict that
0: players in the past dismissed for things i mean domestic assault that now we're dealing with reggie situation do you have a cultural problem your program when it comes to treatment,
4: like? I don't believe that we do. You know, I mean, it's certainly uh, we're going to try to get better every single day, um, and we take a lot of pride in our culture and educating our guys, uh, and we'll continue to do that, so I don't believe so.
5: Richard, where does it begin and end with you and your relationship with players? How, how much do you, you bring them into the office? How much do you uh, do? You feel you're allowed to know about their life outside of basketball? How much, how much do you invest in that?
4: Well, you got to, you know, I mean, as, as a coach, you've got to invest in their life first and foremost. Um, And you've got to be, you know, you, you've got to be a coach. You've got to be, you know, a father figure, and you've got to be involved as you possibly can in their lives. Um, And you got to educate. You really, really got to educate because, that, that's what this job is all about, and that's what we all take pride in doing.
1: All right, that's uh, Richard Patino and previously uh, to that, Athletic Director Mark Coyle speaking about Reggie Lynch's suspension. Now he is going to appeal the suspension, according to KSTP's Eric Shalhoub. So uh, in the meantime, it sounds like he's suspended indefinitely, according to Mark Coyle, who decided that this morning, from all game activities. Yes. So he'll still be able to practice and be a student on campus Correct. until the appeals process plays out. After that, if he doesn't win the appeal, he's gone from the team and gone from campus through 2020.
2: And despite the fact Coyle couldn't say it, my assumption is this if they came to him and said you are uh, you are done with uh, with everything, including school until the uh, appeals process he he would have grounds to possibly sue the school if he wins the appeals process right he has no absolute right to play basketball. So yeah. so basically what they're saying is everything remains accessible to you through the appeals process, except for the fact that you can't play in games.
1: So there's a lot, of, a lot to parse apart here. Just a couple main takeaways. Number one, Mark Coyle is really, really uncomfortable and awkward and rehearsed and clunky in these moments. He was the same way during the football investigation and all of that, the boycott from last year. He hasn't gotten any better at it, and it's a problem. So I get that he can't say all of the things that he would like to say because yeah. there are student privacy laws. But you got you can't wait five minutes to tell people he's suspended well, for tomorrow's not? game.
2: Okay. Like get just a really simple thing here. Why not get up there, get to the mic, opening statements say, I can't tell you much. And we're gonna start off with that. I can't tell you a ton, but what I can tell you is that Reggie Lynch has been suspended from all Gopher Basketball games indefinitely. Yes. There is there and why do it's you it's not as hard as he's making it? And why it really do we isn't. need to go through five questions? There there is there is news that you can provide. You make your life easier by immediately yeah. providing that news.
1: Now, here's the other side of it in defense of Mark Coyle. And you know what? If I were him, I would have made this my main point throughout the entire discussion. And he didn't. And I don't know why he didn't. He took that job in June of 2016. He was hired in May, didn't actually roll his sleeves up until June of 2016. And he made that point finally 15 minutes in when somebody asked him if he should keep his job. And he got mad, And he, but he sat there for five seconds silently and then gave a well-thought-out answer. He took the job in June of 2016. These Reggie Lynch publicized incidents took place initially before he took the job. So he's going to hang his hat on, and I think rightfully so. Right. When I took over, the job was to clean up the program. These alleged incidents took place before I took the job. I don't know if he can say that specifically, but he made a clear point to say June of 2016. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the questioning from fans and media and people who aren't following the timelines are going to be, well, this is just another incident. It's actually an incident that took place before he took the job. So he can pretty easily say, since then, as he did, we now require up to seven hours going forward for student athletes to learn about sexual misconduct, to learn about gambling and all these other things that could get them into trouble. Yep. So it looks awful because it looks like another event that's popped up. Really, it's an event that took place before he took the job.
2: But to, to go back to your point before about a timeline here, I think the question is, when did Coyle and Patino find out about this? And and should should they have acted quicker before it went to the investigation? But the problem is this. We don't know what was said I mean, did, did these guys know a ton about this and said, let's just wait. Did they not know that that much? So, I think I think what people well, were trying. Lynch was
1: suspended two, a to a year and a year ago right. during
2: off-season practices, right? But I think people were trying to find out from Coyle now about about what Lynch has been suspended for. Now, how much he learned about that in in let's say the past year, and if he just dismissed it until the EOAA report came out, which we don't know, and and that's what he made very clear about seven hundred times during that press conference. He yeah. wasn't going to tell us. Like the one thing that bothered me the most, and I
1: understand he's super handcuffed Mark Coyle with what he's able to say. But he—it's like he had five different words or phrases or talking points that he thought he was going to be able to repeat for a half hour. It was
0: the
2: same thing when Clay's got
1: fired, and Phil. Privacy. It was the same Dude, thing when Clay's. At least,
2: at least grab a damn
1: thesaurus before you step up to a podium. That's going to—and this is a national but, story, by the way. But
2: Phil, Phil, when he fired Clay's, I mean, that's a coaching firing by you, which is perfectly fine, right? But I mean, that's your decision. There's no, there's no boundaries there. You can get up there and be as honest as you want. He couldn't do that. So when he decided to fire the football coach, the most important coach at that school, and was and was basically grilled about it, which was very fair, he couldn't handle that. Yeah. So again, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm go back to the first Reggie
1: Lynch incident where he was actually arrested on suspicion for sexual assault. I believe he was temporarily because it was an off season thing. I don't think he was allowed to practice with the team. For some period, because it was a criminal investigation, I believe you're correct. I, we should. I, I, we're, I'm, we're kind of off the cuff because we've been on the air for you know a half hour here. We'll we'll go check that. But so I think there's going to be a lot of questions about the way the U has handled some of these situations. Um, I actually think they've taken a lot of steps since these Regulich incidents took place. Even though they're just coming out now, there's been a lot of steps taken to improve the behavior of student-athletes, but, but that's all a bad look, and he just looks so amateur bad. up there. Yeah. And, that's,
2: and that's the problem. Get up there, tell us what you have done proactively. It's fine if you say that, hey, when, when it gets into details, I can't give, give you a play-by-play, but what I can tell you is that Lynch has been suspended from all Gopher basketball games indefinitely. Yep. Just well, say that. Let's
1: switch gears. Tonight, it's a big national TV platform for our Timberwolves on the road against one of the best teams in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, Kyrie Irving, Ryan Rucco is going to call that game for ESPN, and he will join us when we come back. We'll talk some Wolves, do some NFL picks, get superstar Mike Morris in here, and keep you up to date on the Reggie Lynch story.
6: Now, to six seconds to go. Butler with the ball. Timberwolves down by one. 20-footer on the right wing is. Nobody was short. Loose. And that's it. The buzzer sounds. Butler misses at the horn, and the Nets hang on to win it. 98-97.
1: Yeah, that was kind of a buzzkill loss for uh for the Wolves the other night against the Nets. Jimmy Butler hero ball at the end couldn't knock oh, down let's the cut shot. that's kind of some slack. Huh? We didn't rip him too much, but how about how about something to the hoop there? But that, that's fun to nitpick those things instead of the other 15 years that we've had since KG and company went to the uh, Western Conference Finals tonight. National TV platform against one of the best teams in the NBA, the Boston Celtics, and calling the game on ESPN, Ryan Rucco. Also, go check out his podcast with CC Sabathia, the R2C2 podcast. Uh, how is the uh, bomb cyclone out east right now? Are you are you are you just like stuck inside of a hotel room? What's the weather
6: like? Basically, man, I got the, the only train out of New York that made it here yesterday at 6.15 a.m. Wow. to Boston. So, it basically was like a big snow day. But, like, who would you rather have a snow day with than Jeff Van Gundy? So, oh, that's was pretty was good. that was pretty, pretty great for me, yeah.
2: Yes. Where Where do we come up with, with these names now? Bomb Cyclone. Like are, like, are we just trying to invent names now? I mean, you know, I've heard of <laughs> Nor- Nor'easters and stuff, but... Bomb Cyclone. It's like we're, just, we're just taking, like, two
1: devastating things and putting them yes. together in a name. Like, an a explosive tornado of snow.
6: Yes. <laughs> well, now the challenge, of course, is, like, how do I get it into the broadcast in a way that doesn't make the audience cringe, but that brings it to life, right? Like, anybody who's doing play-by-play in this area over the next day or two, I feel like, is going to feel some sort of internal pull to figure out a way to get bomb cyclones into their broadcast. Which I I, may fail at. I think well here will be there.
1: Here's your (laughs) here's what you do tonight. So Andrew Wiggins has his little spin move in the paint. If if you get a Wiggins spin move and a dunk, that's a bomb cyclone tonight.
6: I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. Oh, do and that. I appreciate the production.
2: Yes, do that. <laughs> so uh, how, how sold are, are you on the, the Wolves at this point? Uh, just from a team that goes through stretches where they play really well, at times they can be maddening, are you uh, completely sold now or do you have to see a little bit more from this team before you uh, judge them to be a definite playoff team, Ryan?
6: Well, they're definitely a playoff team. I'm 100% certain of that, and I think that it's important to – remember what an accomplishment that is for this team. You know, I mean, they, they're they making a big jump. They won 31 games last year. You guys know the drought well over the last 13 years. And so, you know, I think some people immediately expecting them to be able to, uh, you know, compete um, deep into the playoffs or to, you know, to, to be a conference title contender. Obviously, in the West, that's almost an impossible task with Golden State anyway. But that would be an impossible task when you're in the first year of kind of integrating winning into a new culture. And that is what this team is doing. And I'm certain they will make the playoffs, barring any catastrophic injuries. Um, Tom Thibodeau has an incredible track record of that with far less talent than what he has here. Plus, this team is – they are just too talented to not be a playoff team. And, And there are some things that they've been improving on lately. Their defensive numbers, while still not stellar, they are better. Uh, in this recent stretch of games, especially over their last 15 games they've played. They've been a much better defensive team. I think Butler has figured out a way to make even more of an uh, imprint on the game and, and take over offensively if he needs to. Um, and Bielitsa coming back obviously helps their fourth three-point shooting. So I think this is a team that that's for sure good, legitimate, and will get better.
1: Uh, Ryan Rucco is with us he's going to call the game tonight Wolves and Celtics on ESPN uh Mackie and Judd here so uh, how how would you where would you put Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns if you're if you're ranking your tiers of NBA players I mean there's different numbers you can look at Carl Anthony Towns is actually fifth in win shares uh this year and if you look at like player efficiency ratings they're both pretty high up there where would you put Butler and where would you put towns among like the top 15 or 20 25 NBA players
6: it's a good question. I don't. I mean, I definitely put them both in the top, you know, twenty-five NBA players without question. Um, I would still put Butler ahead of town because of what Butler does on the defensive end of the floor. And you know, I think we've seen moments uh, from Towns, especially individually, one-on-one defensively, that have been really encouraging. You know, there are quite a few times uh, in uh, that Timberwolves uh, Sixers overtime matchup where. You know, Towns play great individual defense on Joel Embiid. Um, but he has a long way to go on that side of the floor. He's been much better than he was in October, but there's still a lot of growth, whereas Butler is a three-time, you know, second-team All-NBA defender. Um, and, you know, that's not a part of the game you forget. Plus, Butler's not only been scoring more, but he's been scoring ridiculously efficiently as well with the way he's been shooting the ball. So I, I would say, you know, I think I think Butler is, is, you know, I mean, he's one of the top wings in the league. If he's a top 10 player, you know, somewhere right around there. And Towns isn't far behind him. And obviously, Towns has the potential you know, to eventually be a, a top, you know, seven ish player in this league if he can. He can really develop that defensive side of his game. Uh,
2: how great, great a story is Buck Butler, too? Just given the fact that he's pretty much a self-made guy. I mean, when when I watch him play, I, I appreciate the fact that in Chicago he was good. But until you watch him play on a really consistent basis, you don't realize how much he does and, and how hard he plays. I mean, he yeah, it it comes naturally to a certain degree, but there's a lot of work there too on a nightly basis. And and,
6: and how valuable is it to have? your best player be your hardest worker, right? And somebody who literally grinds the game every second of the day, who thinks about the game, not just when they get to the arena, but as they prepare for shoot-around and throughout the afternoon. And and you're right. There is something to be said about the way Jimmy Butler has gotten the most out of himself in his career. This is somebody who was the 30th overall pick. He only played eight minutes a game his rookie year, and yet he's developed into – a consistent all-star in this league. And I think, you know, he's exactly the type of player this team needed at this time for two reasons. One, because he's, you know, still at peak efficacy as a talent in this league, right? He's in his prime. And two, he's exactly the kind of example you want Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and any other young talent you have to see day in and day out. Not just hear about it, but see that work. And that's what you get with Butler. Yeah.
1: Do you think Tom Thibodeau yells too much? (laughs)
6: <laughs> well, as a broadcaster, I think that only because I, I feel for his vocal cords. Like that. Like every time I hear, and I love to. Every time I hear him talk, I'm like, "Damn, man! I feel bad for your for your vocal cords. We got to get some. We got to get a masseuse in there or some serious honey and tea because because it's just it's a it's a little scratchy. It sounds a little vocal fryy to
1: me. You got to be careful with the boom mics around the court too because sometimes it's not uh, FCC friendly. But I I think like it's taken a while for him to be able to make some improvements with this defense. And it feels like young players get, and they've even said this, I mean, they've told us this on our show that, yeah, sometimes we wish he would just sit down for five minutes and and relax. He's the only coach in the NBA that coaches like that.
6: Yeah. But you know what? I, I, when I look at styles, the only thing I ever really grade them on is, are you being true to yourself? Whatever that is, you know, and that's who Tom Thibodeau is. So, he always has to be the realest version of himself if he's going to get the most out of his coaching ability. And just like you know anybody else does, Steve Kerr does, whatever that means for his personality, or Kenny Atkinson in Brooklyn, whatever that is. And I think, you know, I, I once had a conversation with uh, Joaquin Noah um, during his years in Chicago, and he was like, with Coach Tibbs, it's always game seven. It's a game seven mentality. He calls me on the phone in the middle of the week, it's game seven. So that's who he is. You know, that's how he's always gotten the most out of his team. So I always hesitate, especially when someone's successful, to say something like, hey, you need to do this to tweak your personality because you don't know how much of that is just an ancillary part of the secret sauce that makes him good at what he does.
2: The most incredible thing, he never loses his voice. It's the damnedest thing. I mean, post game, his voice is still there.
6: I would lose it in a second if I was yelling like he was. That would make me so nervous. Like, every time I hear his voice, I'm like, ah, just as a play-by-play guy, man. You get so worried about those kind of things. Yes, exactly.
1: Uh, we thank you for the time. Ryan Rucco, you can hear him tonight, Wolves and Celtics. And uh, go check out his podcast with us, CeCe Sabathia, the R2C2 podcast. So, thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan.
6: appreciate the love, guys. Enjoy tonight's game. For sure, right,
1: for Bye-bye. sure. should be fun. Let's come back here. Let's take a quick break. We have Superstar on the noon hour. We have game shows. Uh, Todd Furman is going to join us to help us with our NFL picks for a few minutes on the other side of this. As we uh, we have a, a new challenge for the playoffs, so we have a we have a regular season winner which we will unveil from our picks, and then we have uh, a new postseason challenge. We will dive into first before we go anywhere. We have a 55 inch TCL 4K Roku TV in our broadcast studios. These are the official TCL broadcast studios, and there's a reason why you're hearing and seeing more from TCL. Well, maybe it wasn't on your radar like five years ago. Well, it's America's fastest growing TV brand, and it's one of the largest TV distributors and manufacturers in the world now, if you haven't been paying close attention. With the 4K picture quality, you—I mean—you get to see offensive linemen nose hairs. If you're a sports fan, you get access to 4,000 plus streaming channels with the built-in cord-free Roku device. So I've had Roku's externally too, and they're great. But it's an extra cord, it's an extra place to find, you know, somewhere to put something on the mantle. The built-in access to streaming channels is a game changer. With all the other bells and whistles that go into the P-Series and uh, these Roku TVs. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand, any major local retailer. All right, let's dive right into NFL picks here. Uh, Dave Harrigan is tending to a sick kid today. So uh, we have his picks via email. And the bad news for him that he lost miserably in the regular season. Miserably. Todd Furman is with us from the Bet the Board Podcast. And so what we I'll give you the standings here and congratulate Judd on a dominant performance this year. Judd finishes strong with a four and one week, 29 and three. In the regular season, I finished 2 and 3 dropping to 4933 and 3, which is still really good. And Dave falls to 500 with his uh, anti-jud pick strategy 1 and 4. Todd, we're going to reset this thing for the playoffs and tell us if we're idiots here, but we're going to go 1 point for the wild card rounds, 2 points per game for division, 3 and then 4 points for the Super Bowl.
5: I figured you guys were going to have a modified scoring system to kind of keep this thing interesting. The deeper we got into the postseason, yep. And we're gonna,
1: so we're gonna regular season. Judd, you have, uh, you are exonerated from state fair punishment, and now we will uh, put another state fair punishment up for grabs for the playoff picks. And uh, let's dive right into them. Kansas City. 8 point home favorites over Tennessee. Dave has Kansas City in that game by the uh, way, Judd.
2: Yeah, um I these playoff games are really really tough. The spreads are tough to me. I am going to go in this case I'm going I'm going to go Titans that the uh, Chiefs will win the game outright but the Tennessee will manage to uh, lose this game by 8 or fewer points.
1: Yeah, I don't know. This Kansas City doesn't feel dominant at all anymore. I mean, they've been better, they have, they've won some games in a row here, but uh, that's I'm going to go backdoor cover for Tennessee, Todd. Backdoor cover.
5: You know what? Uh, this game has been interesting because the number definitely a little bit inflated based on some of Tennessee's struggles, at least in the eyes of the general public down the stretch. But they've covered five of six. Kansas City covered the final four games of the regular season. And when you look at this game, the X factor will, of course, be Marcus Mariota. His legs led them to victory last week when they had a win or a win to get in against Jacksonville. And I think you see more of the same from Marcus I'm not sure the Titans have enough to win this game outright, but definitely attracting some money from professional bettors.
1: Rams at home. After sort of waving the white flag against the Niners in Week 17, they should be well-rested as five-and-a-half-point favorites over Atlanta.
2: I've got this weird feeling uh, that, that the Rams, being an inexperienced team, are going to somehow manage to lose this game, but I ultimately don't think that that's the case. I do think that the Rams will win, and so I am going to take the Rams, despite the fact it's it's been uh, it's been scrambling around in my head this week that the Falcons mm-hmm. could come out with the, uh, the win in this game. Yeah, I mean, th- there's some inexperience factor with Goff here, but that hasn't mattered
1: really all year. They've been just dominating teams for the most part. I do think I do think the Rams are, are clearly a notch below the Vikings, uh, but they're going to win this game by a touchdown to me. I'm going to say Rams. Dave says Rams. What do you say, Todd?
5: There has been some professional money on the underdog in mm-hmm. this spot. You mentioned some of the levels of inexperience around key contributors for the Rams. If you go back to 2013, quarterbacks making their first playoff start a woeful 1-10 straight up. The lone winner during that stretch, Brock Osweiler. So uh, history not working in favor of Jared Goff. Uh, but I'm of a different mindset. I actually disagree with this line move myself. As the number trends down, I think right. the Rams offer a little bit more value, knowing that they've had that extra time to prepare. And something about the Falcons just doesn't seem right. So despite Steve Sarkeesian coming home to his brief tenure at USC at the Coliseum, uh, I think it's the Rams that emerge victorious and with a cover in the process.
1: Now we get to perhaps the most boring game on the docket here. Jacksonville and Blake Bortles at home against Buffalo as an 8.5 point favorite, Judd.
2: I despise this spread because Bortles and Jacksonville at home can be a completely different team than the team we've seen on the road. And I can't decide if Buffalo is going to have made the playoffs and take a deep breath and say we're there or actually now be enthused by it. Eight and a half, though, for Blake Bortles. It seems like a lot. Jacksonville will probably hold the scoring in this game down. So I'm actually going to take Buffalo. I think Jacksonville wins the game.
1: Dave takes Buffalo, and it makes it a clean sweep. I will take Buffalo to keep it somewhat close, although maybe they wasted all their emotion slamming each other
5: through flaming tables after uh, making the playoffs, Dodd. When you look at this game, guys, clearly the one constant here is that Jags defense. Number one in the league in defensive efficiency. The Jags no slouch on the offensive side, where they're about 10 notches higher than Buffalo. LaShawn McCoy's status, if he's at 100%, Buffalo has a puncher's chance, knowing he represents one-third of their total offensive output in 2017. If he is limited at all, and I can't imagine he's going to be anything better than 60%, Buffalo could be in big trouble leaning on the likes of Mike Tolbert and Marcus Murphy to run the football. Tyrod Taylor and the Bills have only thrown for 250-plus yards once all season. While it's difficult to lay lumber with a quarterback that hasn't been there before and Blake Bortles, professional betters gravitating towards Jacksonville on the strength of their defense.
1: Mike Tolbert, man. Uh, Home New Orleans, seven-point favorites over Carolina.
2: I love the Saints. I take the Saints. I say that that they actually win this game by a couple touchdowns. Wow. So it's well, the way that they're playing at home, and I'm not a big uh, Panthers guy. I think the Saints easily cover this one. Uh, yeah, Cam.
1: There's something about Cam Newton. I, I I do not trust him on this road path through the playoff to not blow up at least once. Uh, this is a really tough number, but I'm leaning toward you. I'm going to take New Orleans decisively in this one. Dave takes Carolina. Todd.
5: This game actually is all about the number. Uh, It opened New Orleans a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. You saw professional money come in initially, take this thing out to seven, and that's where you had a very different mindset with all the sevens kind of disappearing from the market. You look at the first two meetings between these two teams, and the Saints more or less dominated with their tandem of running backs going for just shy of 300 yards, four touchdowns, and we're going to hear the cliche all the time about team it's how difficult it is to beat the same team for a third time in the season well if you go back to 1970 we've seen this scenario play out 20 other times before oh. the team that won the first two meetings won the third meeting 13 times for a 65 percent success rate now that's not exactly the same thing as covering here uh, i actually think that carolina has a chance to keep this close with the strength of their ground game this new orleans defense has regressed quite a bit over the last month of the season and while they will be more focused and engaged than they were last week in the loss to tampa this game could be closer than the two previous installments between these familiar division rivals awesome
1: big weekend of nfl playoff games plus you get bama georgia for the national title in a few days so uh what should people expect on the bet the board podcast and platforms this weekend todd full deep
5: dive on all four wildcard games we talked about some of the implications going forward as well and of course with the national championship game looming on monday we brought on a special guest analyst clay travis who knows the sec as well as anybody to give his thoughts on who emerges victorious between georgia and alabama Hopefully, guys, you're staying warm up there in the Twin Cities. I've seen the weather forecast, and, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I'm in the desert this time of year. Let's put it that way. Oh, well, at least we don't we're not a, warm at all. We, well, we don't have a bomb sick.
1: cyclone like the East Coast does. So we're and actually we're both sitting ill, Todd. Yeah.
5: So besides
2: <laughs> that, we're doing great.
5: Well, as long as you're not shoveling out of 40 inches of snow, you're in good shape. I mean, everybody can handle 2 degrees below with wind chills, that I'm sure are approaching 25 below. Yes. Right.
2: Come join us.
5: <laughs> You know, as tempting an offer as that is, I don't think I'll be there anytime soon, although still working to try and make plans to get out there uh, for the big game in early February. Should that come to fruition, uh, you gentlemen will be the first to know so we can actually perform one of these segments in person. Awesome.
1: Sounds good, Todd. See you, buddy. Bye. Be good, guys. All right, Todd Furman from the Bet the Board podcast. We think he's super busy on Fridays, and he adjusted his time for us. He's such
2: a pro that, that he calls it the big game in ordinary conversation. Well, he doesn't want
1: to get he doesn't want to get sued. I right? know, but
2: I'm just saying he's well, such a pro And for him,
1: like, is it possible because he is promoting a website a- in which absolutely. there's uh, he might he just doesn't want to Absolutely. Yeah. He just calls it the big game. Yeah, he's a savvy, knowledgeable guy. Um yeah, I was in his neck of the woods. Even the desert's cold this time of year. I was in Arizona for five days last week and right. it was like you wake up in the morning and it was thirty degrees, even in the desert. So our whole country okay, is I'll, I'll right there now. in
2: a heartbeat right sure, now. Sure, yeah.
1: I mean, okay. it gets to be seventy five later in the day. But um, yeah, um, we have, let's save this for the other side of the break here. The, so we had the Pro Bowl teams come out a week or two ago and Harrison Smith was a huge snub and there was a couple other Viking snubs in there. You could make a case for Well, the AP NFL all pro first team is out. The thing that matters. Yes. Where you combine AFC and NFC and you just create a roster of the best first teamers. Yep. How many Vikings made that list? And the superstar Mike Morris will join us. When we come back here, it's Mackie and Judd. Uh, we can get his thoughts on our top 10 Vikings list when we come back. And if you want to chime in, anything Vikings, 651 uh, 646 We can open up the vent lines. Mackie and Judd.